0: Good morning. Can we stand
1: as we get ready to worship today? And you know, when we when we choose songs, we always want to choose songs that are completely biblical. And um, so, as we as we play through this uh, first song, get ready to sing. I want you to just read read the scripture that we're about to sing together. Jesus Messiah.
2: Hillsiders, you guys can go ahead and take a seat. I'm going to tell a little story on uh, on this singing group up here that I didn't have this story two minutes ago. Somebody just came up to me and said, oh my goodness, that blend, we need to have more of these guys. Would you agree with that? (laughs) And I have to tell you, John prayed just before the service that the People leading worship here would not be a distraction, but that would bring people into worship. And I'll tell you, that works, that works for me. You guys are not a distraction. Your blend is beautiful and it's gorgeous, and you're singing praises to God, and we really appreciate that. So isn't that wonderful? Um, I'm Randy Fishback, and they're well, they're healthy. Yes. We have them back. Yes. So I'm Randy Fishback. I'm the director of Compassion, Justice, and Missions Ministries here at Hillside, and I just want to call to your attention a few um, church life announcements. Some exciting things going on in the life of this church. Starting with brunch for ten. Brunch for ten is going to be on February 5th. Do we have slides? I hope we have slides. Well, if we don't, we'll just wing it. Um, So. Brunch for 10 is on February 5th. The idea is that after coming to church, everybody at Hillside will go out and have Brunch for 10 with a host family. So you can sign up to be a host, or you can sign up to be an attender of of a brunch, and uh, you'll want to go. Otherwise, you'll have FOMO, and everybody knows that FOMO stands for Fear of Missing Omelets, and so that's... That's what you have that morning. so Or whatever your host is, is serving. And there we have it, Brunch for 10. So you have an opportunity to sign up for that. The easiest way to do that is take the, the e-newsletter you get on Thursdays, and it'll tell you, it'll direct you to the website or the events, and you can sign up for that. If you need help with that, we can get you signed up. And again, you can sign up either to be a host or a, just an tender. And a lot of people are signing up, so it's, it's taking off. And we just hope everybody will do that that morning. The next announcement is a brand new one. It is a fundraiser for the Safe House in um, Southeast Asia in Myanmar. And this is really exciting because I get to be on the board of Search that supports this this effort. And we're having a fundraiser on February, I think it is, 11th, right? February 11th. And um, it supports all the women and um, kids and, and young adults in the Safe House who are being rescued from trafficking. And although we're not able to visit them currently because of the military coup that started uh, three years ago, we are able to get our finances to them and support them and communicate with them. And we hope you'll come to this fundraiser. It's, all- it's off campus. It's going to be a great time. Um, there's a little bonus on this. Um, there's going to be a certain couple of... Pa- former pastors here at Hillside there. We can see Jeff, and we can see Sarah, and so um, you can catch up with them a little bit at that fundraiser. Dan allowed me to say that. He was cool with that, so... um... But you know what? We're going to hear from the pastors uh, by by video or by uh, uh, sent uh, video, and we're going to talk about the safe house and hear some testimonies. It's going to be a really, really fun evening. So you can sign up at um, searchforhope.org, or you can see any of the board members that are here at Hillside. They're all here this morning. Me, Lisa McGinnis, Alan Pennebaker, and Gemma Tosto are all on the board. So if you want more information about that, we hope a lot of hillsiders will come out because we are still the main support for the safe house in Myanmar. And then finally, we have the men's retreat coming up in March, March 3rd through 5th. This is exciting. It's up in Zephyr Cove in Tahoe, so a chance to get away and see a beautiful part of the world. It'll probably be only under, like, 12 feet of snow by then. Um <laughs> But yeah, well, we hope. We do hope. Um, But it's going to be a great time. And um, Pastor Dan's twin brother, um, it Darren is speaking and so it's just gonna be like a home game it, It's gonna look like it's gonna look like a home game. I guess <laughs> so uh, So we hope that I, I'm looking forward to hearing from Darren and that, that should be a lot of fun. So um, Sign up men you can do that through the website or the app or whatever So those are a lot of things that are going on we hope you'll part- participate and with that get up and greet somebody and say hi Okay, I hope you continue this afterward in the Light Lounge. Connect connect with the people you didn't connect with afterward in the Light Lounge. We'll get uh, back to business here. I want to introduce to you Jeff and Carolyn Stoker, um, but, but as I do that, I want to... Um, Explain the uh, stool situation here, because um, Carolyn's more comfortable on a shorter stool. This is not a women in ministry issue. <laughs> Nothing to do with that. I, I just I I, ha- I have to say that, otherwise, you know, we'll get cards and letters and <laughs> tweets and all sorts of stuff. So th- this th- this has to do with comfort. Um, we have this morning. This is a real special treat. We have um, Jeff and Carolyn Stoker, and um, they have been in the mission field for 35 years. They started out in Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. But they sort of got chased out of there in the late 90s because of Civil War. And so they moved over to Cameroon to the Rainforest International School, where they finished out their time. But you don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from them. So let me me continue this by asking Jeff, that was kind of the high arc of your career, but can you fill in a few details, some more add some color to that?
3: I don't know about color. We'll get Carolyn's a better speaker than myself, but I I'm an accountant type, so I give the details. So but before anything else, I just want to th- thank you so much for your partnership with us in the in the gospel and in our ministry for over thirty years. Anyway, how many of you have been here since Prior to 1990, I look out in a crowd and see. So there's a few of you, more than a few of you, really. So you remember our names, but for the benefit of those who are newer to the church, yeah, we got connected with you. We, um, As newlyweds lived in Pittsburgh, and our home church was Crossroads Covenant Church, which was planted by Hillside Covenant Church. And some of you old-timers will even know some of those people who planted it, so... And for six years, we were there, and I worked in public accounting in Oakland. And Carolyn, after finishing her master's up at Davis, ended up teaching high school science in Contra Costa Christian High School. So you see there's lots of, lots of connections just to pass that on to us. And so we're just thankful for that time. So we were called, um, we were in the Covenant Church there, and, and with our two backgrounds, heard that there was a perfect need for us in Zaire, that they needed a mission accountant. They were big enough and involved in so many things. They'd never had one and they really needed one. And they needed, and at the time in Zaire, we we were involved with the church ministry and education. And we thought Carol was gonna go and serve to the local Zaireans, and I was gonna be kind of behind the scenes support person. Eventually, she was called into duty at our missionary kids school in Karawa in Zaire. And so that's what we did for the first 10 years of our, our time together. And as mentioned, the Civil War about 10 years after we'd been there forced us and all the, mystic, all the covenant missionaries to leave the field there. And when we went to Cameroon, it was because there was this school and it was the closest place some of our kids of high school and middle school age could go to school. It was a school started by Wycliffe Bible Translators because they had a lot of, a lot of families there. And so we went there thinking we were going to be there maybe a year until things settled down and go to Zaire. It didn't happen. And the rest is history. We ended up there 25 years. <laughs> so God has... it. wasn't for what we were expected to be, that's, but that's where God placed us, and it really fit our gifts and things well. Carolyn, high school science teacher, and administrator myself, mostly a finance manager. So... That's the real short version. Okay. That gives us a a sense of of what you did. Um, Carolyn, let me ask you, any special
2: memories, any special um, events or ways you saw God move? Just what what are you going to take away from there?
4: Well, you know, after 35 years, there's a lot of things. And the things that happened in the early years kind of recede into the background. You know, memories do that to us. But one of the things that I thought of... um, and is related to a picture you may see at some point up on the screen is the way God worked in these last few years as you all know COVID was a worldwide phenomenon that is still impacting our lives and it impacted our schools there and I could talk about the fact that God arranged the events of history so that we were on the last flight out of uh, Cameroon so that we could be at our daughter's wedding before the borders closed But that's one thing God did. But another thing is just a really interesting series of things. In case you didn't know, Cameroon is in the middle of a rainforest. And that means it rains. (laughs) A lot. And especially in the late afternoons, which is also when our sports teams want to play volleyball and basketball. And our uncovered courts were wet. And you can't really play those games. We play soccer in the rain just fine and that's no problem, but basketball and volleyball aren't so good. So we started to build back in about 2016 a covered court that was supposed to become a whole gym and be all closed in with some really nice um, new uh, locker rooms and all kinds of things you know cooking facilities and stuff. So it would be a great big multi-purpose area that would have a little bit of opening, but it would be mostly closed off to keep the rain out. Well, we started that project and lo and behold, there wasn't quite enough money. So we had a phase one and phase one put the roof on and not many walls, practically no walls and that's where we ran out of money. So we kind of stopped. And then COVID came. And then we wanted to have school again. And we could, according to the government, as long as any group meetings over about 20 or 25 people were held outdoors. Well, guess what? An unfinished gym is considered outdoors. So suddenly we of all places could actually meet as a community to worship together to take exams which is i think what the picture is yep that's that's where you give external exams because you can it doesn't rain on you there are all these that is not open space those are clear plastic panels to let light in in the roof so it was i mean it was a blessing of god that we could not finish the gym now that some of those restrictions have been lifted. They are working on closing in those walls. But when we needed walls to be open, who would have known that we needed to not finish a project, that God might have had a reason why we couldn't? Well,
2: yeah, we know that God knocks down walls. We didn't know that he doesn't build them to begin with. (laughs) Just another way of getting to the same place, right? Right.
3: You know the the parable about counting the cost for you, you know, build a building. But in this case, I mean, we did, but still we didn't have enough money and it worked out. And you build anyway. Yeah, there you go. Hey, for either one of you, so you retired from the
2: field last June and then you're retiring, you know, completely this June. What are your plans for retirement and how can we be praying for you?
3: Well, maybe I'll put the prayer request first is please be praying for us that We'll figure out exactly what we're going to be doing. And those of you who have gone before us in retirement know what that means and probably know exactly how to pray for us. So um, we do live north of San Diego, so we do know where we're living because um, we do own a home down there now, thank the uh, blessing of God. But um, like even things like should we look for some part-time work and delay starting Social Security? you know, working out kind of the financial aspects we're not sure of. And if we do it, what would I do? I haven't looked for a job in 35 years, you know, and I'd like a job where I use my skills, but not a lot of responsibility, maybe part-time to supplement things. So, so that's a big prayer request. And even our covenant church where we attended closed a few years ago. And so we're actually driving to another one 45 minutes away, but in retirement that's not a long-term solution for getting to know people so we're really looking for a decision with a church home and just what we're going to be doing in retirement and, then.
4: and i would ask you to pray for us pray for the ministry that we left behind in cameroon it is it did not end when we left which is a good thing and in fact we have covenant missionaries still serving there Ron and Janet Ziegelbauer um, are about our age, and so they'll be retiring in June from there. But the next generation, the ones that I taught and encouraged are still there, Carl and Mary Noren, um, who you can pray for, and Jordan and Tertsikone, who were from our partners with the Evangelical Free Church. So, but pray for the Ministry of Rainforest International School. There is a big space for a school that unapologetically preaches the word of God and where they worship together as a community. And we have seen the ways that God has in the past used our graduates to influence the country in amazing ways, and we pray that they would continue to do that.
2: That's great. Hey, let's uh, let's pray for the Stokers. Heavenly Father, we thank you, thank you so dear. Deeply for these um, servants of yours who served faithfully first in Zaire and then in Cameroon Lord um, we pray that you would bless them as their work their formal work there comes to a close and they consider the next steps in their lives God we just ask that you would be with them as they consider their finances as they consider um, what they might be doing to serve you and um, and find a church Lord we pray for their Ministry back in Cameroon, um, that you would raise the next uh, generation of, lead- of leaders who would continue to lead that ministry, God. And we just we thank you for the good work that they have done over these many many years. And we just uh, send them with our with uh, our blessings and our thanks for um, listening to your call, God. You're calling all of us, and we're all wondering what what you're calling us to. And we just thank you that they answered. Your call, God, and uh, did that great work there. We thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you.
1: Yeah. That is awesome. Um, I want to dismiss the youth now, but as I do, I want to ask you a question. We talked about fear of missing omelets. Be honest, how many of you have a fear of omelets? <laughs> Okay. Now you, can, now you can leave. Now you can leave. we got your, your uh, honest assessment there. Um, as we uh, have our ushers come forward uh, for our morning offering, I want to reflect on the fact tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day, and it's a great opportunity for us to think through the heart of Jesus towards all mankind, and the fact that God's deep, deep love for his people, and the fact that he He's a God of justice. He's a God of absolute inclusivity. And to know that, while well, we, we live in a fallen world, and we don't always treat each other the way we should. And we don't always give everybody the inclusion that they deserve. But what does Jesus do, and how did Jesus operate, and what does he have for us? So let's pray and, and, and thank him for, um, for his work of reconciliation. God, um, As we get ready to give back to you now, we just wanna express our gratitude, our thanks, for the way that you um, are always reconciling and bringing us to you, bringing people to each other, moving forward with justice. It breaks your heart when people are marginalized. It breaks your heart when somebody is on the outside. And you want everyone to be drawn to you, and you died for all. We thank you for that, Lord. God, we want to worship you in spirit and truth together as brothers and sisters, as we are with all believers all around the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
5: Amen. God bless you. You can have a seat. Do you appreciate this worship team that God has given us? Thank you very, very much. And thank you, team. Uh, Welcome to Hillside. I'm Dan Sight, senior pastor here at the church. And before I invite our preacher up for the morning, I want to take 60 seconds to remind you of what we launched last week. Last week, we launched a seven-week series called Ambassador You. And in this series, uh, we are imagining uh, that we, the already fruitful and faithful ambassadors of the King, have been selected no. for advanced training at the King's School for Diplomats Ambassador U. And we're having a little fun with this, but it's really not much of a stretch because so many of you, Hillside, are already living out your callings as the ambassadors of the King. I told you last week that in the seven-week series, we have four objectives. First, we are trying simply to reawaken awareness of that calling, that with our cleansing that we receive when we come uh, to faith in Jesus, we get a commission as Jesus' ambassadors. Second, we are trying to reawaken wonder. We're trying to get us all excited about this wonderful opportunity we have to share Jesus with others. Third, we're trying to instill confidence. And fourth, we are trying to impart skill so that we emerge from this series just a little more able uh, to do that ambassadorial work out in the world. Now, Tom Gillis is preaching today. He is going to be launching into the substance uh, of the series uh, which comes from Acts thirteen through fourteen, but I just want to say something that you already know. Tom Gillis is so important to this church he 's a gift uh he is and, and and not only is he a consistent presence here on Sunday morning, building up this family, being one of the first people to greet new people. Gather people, not only is he a model there, not only is he a shepherd over the years, gathering people, especially men, especially young dads, uh, to get in God's word together, to bond together, and to discern the living Lord's leading. In fact, he just, he and Tony Friday just launched a new group. But more directly for our purposes, he's living his calling as an ambassador. We get the joy of actually supporting him in this, and that's why. I'm so excited to have him contributing to this series. So if you would, welcome up Professor Tom, all right?
6: Bring your Bible everywhere you go. Bring your Bible to church. I can't tell you enough. How important it is. There you go, Keon. He was making fun of me. Uh, I have a Bible. It's my phone. I'm like, nah, that doesn't work. Uh, I met with uh, Pastor Dan at Pete's and we just cracked this thing open and we started talking and it testifies all by itself. So if you're afraid to witness, just bring your Bible. It speaks for itself, all right? Um, so. Basically, we're gonna do a little review to start out class because you know I wasn't really good in school, so you kind of gotta like go. But what, what was the guy talking about? So we're gonna do a little back and forth. You guys can talk because I get nervous, and so um, I just wanted you to know. Like you can say amen or hallelujah or preach or anything like that, or get off the stage. I'll still listen. Um, <laughs> but here we go. Um, super easy review. Um, the first four books of the New Testament is called what? All right, all right, all right. So we got the gospel, right? The gospel in in Greek was the eulongilion, and I love that word, just saying that word, because when I was snowboarding professionally, that was my nickname. It was gilly, and I was the gilly pig. I was always going first. I was always going the farthest, and so I really relate to the eulongilion. It was not just the good news. It was better than good. It was great. That's the good news. Okay, so the first four books, the gospel. What comes after the gospel? The fifth book is... Okay, that's the lesson for today. That's it. The gospel leads you to acts. Think about that. God put this book together. He's 66 different books, 44 different authors. He ties it together. You say, yeah, man, kind of canonized it, blah, 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 blah. God put it in order. The gospel will always lead you to acts. The gospel of love leads to acts of love. The gospel of grace leads to acts of grace. The gospel of mercy leads to acts of mercy. All right, that's it. We're, class is over. No. Um, so before we start, we're getting into Acts 13, and we're just going to go word for word, verse by verse. We're going to go through this thing, and we're going to look at it. Um, but you got to have some background, right? you got to have some context. Um, so basically... Here's how it started out, and Dan kind of hit on this earlier, Uh, you know, basically Acts 1. uh, Basically, I love this story, Um, Jesus is rolling around with his disciples, you know, and they're running around with him for three years. They're watching miracles. They're watching people get raised from the dead. They're watching all this stuff go down, and then he dies. He uh, gets buried. He raises from the dead, and then he shows up and hangs out with them, For 40 days and this is what he goes and tells these ragtag group of guys i mean fishermen tax collectors they were derelicts i relate with these guys and um so basically he he he, in the in the first uh, acts one he's like okay like uh don't do anything like straight up i'm going away when i go like i'm gonna send you the holy spirit Don't do anything until you get it, but when you get it, power will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth, right? And so as you go through this book, you see that, okay, Jerusalem was filled. In fact, it was so filled, the Jews got really pissed off, and they started going after them. They're like, you Christians, and so the word of God started getting spread because of persecution, they were throwing rocks at him. They were hunting him. In fact, Saul was like so mad, he like stoned Stephen. And you just see the, the, the word of God going off. And all of a sudden, it's filled in Jerusalem. Then it goes to Samaria. Peter uh, goes there. Philip goes down. All these guys are just getting scattered. And then this is where we find ourselves in Acts 13. All right? And, it, and that's the lead up. And so basically, it goes to this. And I'll just get your Bible out and read it up. But it says now in the church, right? Now. Okay, so right there we're going to stop. I'm super ADD. I'm super dyslexic, so good luck following me. But we're just going to stop right there. The church, okay? In Greek, it means ekklesia. Two words. I thought you guys would like this because you guys are kind of smart. But the Greek, you know, two words. Ek, out of. Fill in the blank if you want. Out of and kaleho, to call or to call out. No one likes to get called out. In this world, it's not fun to be called out, but guess what? You were created to be called out. That's why we go to church. Ecclesia means to be called out, and we always look at it in the negative because a lot of times the world is bent on negative, negative. and you go, oh man, I hate getting called out. I don't want to be called out. Don't call on me. Don't, don't raise my hand. But God calls you out into the world to be the light of the world. But what he also does in the positive is he calls you out of your situation, out of your sin, out of just your mess. And that's what he continues to do. And when God calls you out, he calls you up because his ways are higher than our ways, saith the Lord, right? And so he's got a plan and it's way bigger and way better than you could ever imagine. And I think a lot of us, we go, well, well, you tell me the plan first. You tell me the plan, and then I'll go. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. And I can testify to that, because when God called me out of construction, I was like, God, I'm the sole provider of my house. God, you don't even know what you're doing. I I got a mortgage. I got a family. What are you doing? he goes, do you trust me? It's like, Lord, you know I trust you. Yeah, but do you trust me? Man. So for two months as I'm praying, he goes, Do you trust me? I'd be like, Lord, Lord, you know I trust you. He goes, then do it. And so I'm like, all right, I'm not doing construction anymore. And then what happens? All of a sudden money starts flowing in, doors start opening. I could have never planned that I would be going to schools across America. Tomorrow I leave for Illinois and I'll be like in schools there. I would never even imagine that that's the plan he has for me. And if he would have told me that in the beginning, I probably would have been like, I don't know, sounds sketchy. <laughs> but that's just the way it is, right? So, so God will always call us out of ourselves, out of our sin, out of our situation, and then usually what he does is he heals us and then sends us back in, right? That's what God does. He calls us out, heals us, sends us back. And that's what we're going to see right here as the church. And um, this is the first place that actually Christians got called Christians in in the church at Antioch. And this is a derogatory term. Like it was like they were calling them out, you dirty Christians, you dirty, filthy Christians. And they were just like, yeah, I'm a Christian, whatever. And so that's where we find ourselves. So now in the church at Antioch, that's how we got here. There were prophets and teachers. All right, stop right there. Prophets and teachers this was gifts that God has given us in, in Ephesians 4 11, It talks about the gifts that God has given the church and basically he says basically I, I've given you apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers That's right. I didn't even know about this stuff like I've been a Christian for 20 years and I was like You're either supposed to be a, a missionary in Africa, right? right? Everyone's got got to be a missionary in Africa or the Amazon or something, or you're supposed to be a pastor. That's all I thought there was. And then all of a sudden, you you look at the book, you start reading the book, and he goes, man, no, there's evangelists. They're teachers. And in this first church, there were prophets and teachers, right? And so, and why did God do this? He gave us to equip the people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You have gifts and abilities that no one else has. And and I always tell my kids this. I'm like, hey, Rosie, or hey, Frankie, you guys have gifts and abilities God has given you. He's a good father. He gives good gifts. But here's the thing. You can do whatever you want with it. However, if you give your gifts back to God, he gets the glory and you get the blessing. Amen? So church, you have gifts and abilities. And why do you have them? For the building up of the church. Church is not a spectator sport. You can't just come here. You have to start. The gospel leads you to acts. And by their action and by their fruit, they will be known, right? So this is where we find ourselves in this book. And and again, uh, you have time. You have your talents. You have your giftings that God has given you. And we are desperately in need of that. We are desperately needed that, and in fact, that's why, um, well, let's get back to the, the passage because we got five guys that we're going to talk about. So, um, teaching Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who was brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, five guys in leadership here at this church in Antioch. And this was a pagan nation. This is the first time this has actually happened because normally, uh, like I said, there was persecution and they were running for their lives and spreading the gospel. But this church came together and said, nah, we're going to fast, we're going to pray, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say. Amen? So basically, I want to look at these guys. Everyone loves Barnabas. Then we got Simeon, called Niger, which meant black which a lot of people, are black, he was a black African. And some people say this was the same Simeon that carried the cross at Calvary. There's no proof of that. Nice to think about, though. Then we have uh, Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean. I want to talk about Manaan for a second, because check this out. He said it was brought up in Herod's household. In another translation, it said stepbrother. This dude was raised in the house of Herod the Tetrarch. Okay, For all you guys, Herod the Tetrarch was the one that cut off John the Baptist's head. He was the one that stood in front of Jesus and was like, yeah, 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 kill him. Like this dude. So you got to see in the same house, and you've probably been in the same house, where one turns one way, one turns the other. Well, I know I turned the other way at one time. And then by God's grace, he redeemed me, right? But this is Manan, who turned away from richness, authority, comfort. Why? Because Jesus is real, amen? And he's going to serve here. And so then we have him. Verse 2. We're going to go real fast, aren't we? All right, We'll figure it out. Um, So while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, another version, uh, New King James says, as they were ministering to the Lord. Do you know that's what you get to do on Sunday morning? You're ministering to the Lord, all right? Let's change that perspective. Have you ever talked to someone and just someone's like, oh, that really ministered to me? Mm -hmm. Like we get to minister to God. God is sitting there finding great joy in your worship, Tony, finding great joy that you come. And and, and I love seeing Tony Friday because he's like always like (laughs) worshiping the Lord. Like, I mean, that guy is all out. And that's the way we should be because one day we'll be in front of him and we'll be filled with awe and wonder and we won't care what you think of me when I'm worshiping the Lord, all right? So they were ministering to the Lord, and they were fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, don't you want to know if he spoke out loud? But we kind of get a hint just a couple of verses back. It says there were prophets, and a lot of people are really freaked out by prophecy or prophets because they always think, like, they're going to know my sin or they're going to tell me something messed up. But prophecy is just another way to edify you, to extort you, to encourage you, to comfort you. In 1 Timothy uh, 4.14, it talks about, do not neglect your gifts that God has given you, Timothy. And in fact, I was, uh, I was in Arkansas with this ragtag group of guys. I call It's the Whosoevers. Uh, we do ministry together, and we're just gospel gangsters, and we run around just preaching the Word at skate parks, at rehabs. Wherever anyone will invite us, we'll just go share the Word of God. And uh, it was funny because I was watching, we were worshiping in Arkansas, and when they worship in the South, they start at 6 and they end at 11, all right? Just uh, FYI, they worship the Lord, right? And um, I just remember going like, man, I want a word. I want someone to give me a word of God. Like, like but, but, but I was just like, but I don't, like, I, I get weirded out when people are like, I got a word, because the word, God will always confirm his word. He will always encourage you. It's personal. It's timely. And so, of course, I always test God. I'm like, all right, Lord, if it's from you, I want someone to write it down. Like, I don't, I just don't want someone to walk up to me. And so we're worshiping the Lord. and It's rocking in this place. And all of a sudden, this guy walks up to me straight up and he goes, I got a word from God. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I got to write it down. Do you know how many people have given me letters and words that are totally encouraging me? That I know that there's no way that they knew what I said. And this is just part of prophecy. These are gifts to edify the church, to encourage us. And uh, it's just powerful when God moves. Amen? Amen. All right. So here we're back at it. So he said, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me. Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them set apart if you're going to follow the Lord you're going to have to set some things apart you're going to have to set some things aside you're going to have to get into worshiping him following him listening to him being in tune to him and this is what they did they set apart Um, and if you look we're going to see this natural progression that starts happening in the hearts of believers right First, you get saved, then you start serving in the church. Saul got saved. He's serving. They're all serving in the local church, and then basically you you get sensitive, sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, sensitive to sin. You don't want to sin anymore because you get sensitive, and all of a sudden you get saturated, and then you get sent. That's the God we have. We have a missional God, a God that is on mission. Right, and you can even look at it in the beginning of Genesis. You go way back in Genesis 12. It basically, well, I'll just read it because it's just fun. Um, so we have in 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 12. Basically, uh, he's telling Abraham, go, um, go to a place that I have prepared for you. Gotta find it here. It says uh, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and those that curse you I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. God is always calling us out of our situation and into another it's just the way he works. He, he, he does it time and time again. So th- then you have Moses. He's like, hey, go to a land, I promise you, flowing with milk and honey. And then ultimately, we have John 3.16 in the New Testament. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He has a mission for you. And when you get comfortable, you miss out on the blessing. He's calling you into a blessing, and you will bless other people when you start inviting them to church and we're not just inviting them to church we're inviting them into eternity hell is real and when we start thinking that way we stop thinking about our little church we start thinking about the big church and the power of the church and so god continues to send um people out and uh it's fun because uh, that, grit, that group of guys I go out with, we, j- we filmed a video during COVID um, because Idaho was open. Uh, we went to Idaho and went to skate parks because they were outside. And we just filmed it. And you guys can check it out on YouTube and whatnot. But we just filmed us going out and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and of course, the movie title was called The Full Send Tour, right? Because we're just sent. And when you're on mission, you don't get distracted. You don't get bogged down. You just continue to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's what he's called us to do. So you, you see that they are separated here. And after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. All right. Again, really quick uh, invitation to prayer. Prayer is so important. How come it's sometimes the last thing we do? How come it's the last thing we do when it's the most important thing? Uh, a quick acronym for prayer um, or to pray is to praise. Praise. Uh, repent ask and yield we praise God because he is holy he is good we repent because I don't know about you but I sinned this week I'm a sinner and I have to continue to put myself in check so I repent Lord I'm I'm sorry and then I ask and then I yield to his word because it's supreme he gave us his word and if anyone's ever given you his word and has never let you down, we talked about this uh, on our, our men's group. Uh, we were talking about the five guys, and it kind of made me start thinking, I, we, need, we need more men to be men and be on mission. And so I was talking with Tony Friday, and, I, and then I was like, Tony's like has a passion for men. And I was like, oh, let's just do it. Let's just start it, and let's just see. And so then I called Keon because he's a mighty man of God, and I was like, and I called Jesus, and I called Mike Downing. And I was like, okay, that's our five right now. And let's just keep asking guys i don't care if they go to church i don't care if they come to church here or there or anywhere let's just start we're going to start thursday night at seven men you're all welcome we're going to contend for each other we're going to bear each other's business we're going to call each other out but when we call each other out we're calling each other up because we need each other we're better together and this is iron sharpening iron so we're going to do this every thursday night and you, and you, Funniest thing, we were sitting in Pete's, Tony and I, drinking, and I'm like, but I don't want to have any crazy name. I hate when they, they name those silly things and everything like that. And I go to the bathroom, and I walk out, I walk back, and I'm like, Tony, how about TNT? <laughs> it's dynamite. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I love it. It's TNT. <laughs> so we're going to blow each other up and just see what happens. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's important for us to have accountability in our life. It's important to press each other on. And even when you look at the two guys, they take off, but there's three more back at the home front. Another lesson that God wants to teach us is missionaries or evangelists or whatever, you can only go as far as your supply lines. And there are always two battles that are being fought. There's the battle of the forefront and the battle of the home front. And morale is so very important. If you look at World War II, the reason why we won that war was because the women went into the factories, took on jobs, labored, just were, and they kept up morale. They did victory gardens. They continued to fight the fight, the good fight. In fact, that's why I named my, my, my girl Rosie. I was like, Rosie the Riveter, we're going to need some really strong women to rebuild this country. Amen. And then we need strong men to contend. And that's what we're doing on Thursday night at 7. So, men, you're all welcome. And, and we're going to pray for our women, or our wives. We're going to pray for our church. We're going to pray for our area. We're going to be men that are unapologetically in love with Jesus. Amen? All right. All right, so that's where we're at. Now, nah, we're going real fast here. Whew. All right, so then back to it. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, uh, went down to Seleucia. And sail from there to Cyprus. Now check this out. Antioch, Seleucia. 15 miles along the river. Why did they say it? Why did they bring it up? And I got to just think, they were just so stoked. They were just like, man, we're going. Like, they put their hands on us. Holy Spirit's leading us. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Seleucia? Yeah, sure, let's go to Seleucia. And then they're like, well, where do you want to go? I-, I don't know. I know some people in Cyprus that could use some help. I'm like, yeah, let's go to Cyprus. Now think about it. God calls you out heals you, and then sends you back. Where was Barnabas from? Cyprus. He was a Cyprian Jew. So you have, you have Saul and you have Barnabas traveling together. And, so, and I can only imagine. Barnabas like, I know some people that need you in, in Cyprus. Let's go. Cool. Let's go. So they go back to their home. And now this is why he knew that they needed us. Because in, Cy- uh, in Cyprus specifically, this is the birthplace of worshiping of Venus. Okay? And another name for Venus was Aphrodite's. Okay? And the way you worship Venus with temple prostitutes. Now, if you don't think that's a messed up culture, I mean, it gets worse. Because if you were a female on the island of Cyprus, you had to be a temple prostitute at some point in your life. Think about that marriage. Honey, I'm going to worship at the temple. Me too. <laughs> And if you were a temple prostitute, you had to give yourself to any sailor, any soldier, anyone that came to worship. And you could think about how sin just decimated this culture, just destroyed. And so Paul and Cyprus, or Paul and Barnabas were like, yeah, let's go there. <laughs> and so they go, all right? We, so we, we're going from Antioch to Seleucia, then they're going to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis which was the largest port town on the eastern front, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. There's an S there. There were lots of Jewish synagogues. And ultimately, the Jews had a custom, a culture, where if they saw you were new, they'd be like, hey, you're new here. Why don't you come up here and tell us what's going on in the world? Because that's how they got their news. And of course, Barnabas and Saul were both Jews with high regard, right? They looked a little different. They dressed a little different. And so they would have, in the synagogues, they were like, why don't you come on up and, 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 and show us? And they would just preach that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Lord. They would just continue to preach the word of God. And this is the beautiful thing for all y'all. It doesn't say thousands came to know Jesus. It doesn't say anything about the numbers. And sometimes you will never know when you preach the word of God whether or not they get signed, sealed, or delivered, or healed that's not for you to know, right? Some plant, some water, but God makes the increase, amen? So you never know. So you just send it. You just full send, like, I'm just going to preach the gospel, see what happens. And that's what they did. So, of course, now they're going to, and John was with them, right? John, this is John Mark, because in uh, 1225, it talks about, or 24, basically, or yeah, 25, there it goes. Uh, They said it was John Mark. And so he's with them. He's probably carrying the, the PA system and the speakers and the banners, you know. Everyone does that nowadays. Uh, and they traveled through the whole island until, until they came to Paphos. All right? There they met a Jewish sorcerer. Again, I'm just going to read out of a little different text, but they, they came um, they came to see this Jewish sorcerer. So check this out. Judaism and sorcery does not work together. In fact, it, back in Deuteronomy, it, God commanded the Jews, stay away from sorcery. Do not play with it. It's forbidden. In fact, it was so forbidden that if you messed with it, they just kill you. They just, pff, you're done. You can't be a Jew and a sorcerer. It just doesn't happen. And so now, check this out. He was a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus. Uh, who was an attendant at the proconsul Sergius Paulus. All right, I'm sure Sergius Paulus thought he was getting three in one. Anyone likes a deal, right? You got a Jew. he's a sorcerer, and he's a, and he's a prophet. And so he, Julius, uh, sorry, Sergius Paulus, he was the governor of the island, and I'm sure he was just thinking like, well, he knows what the Jews want, he knows what the people want, and you know what? He prophesizes, he's a three in one, I'll take him, he's on my court, and he would listen to him, right? And so basically then you have them coming in, and it, but it says the pro-council, an intelligent man, right, set for Barnabas and Saul. And um, my third point is basically you have to expect opposition. You have to expect it. If you're going in to share the gospel, the world hates you. That's just the way it is. But I like walk into this and I'm like, praise God, they hate me. Let's go. It's the way you look at it. In fact, one time we were in Mexico, just in May, we were in Puerto Vallarta. It was the funniest thing. We were doing school. We do school assemblies, and we we had a DJ. Someone gives a testimony. Then we give the gospel. Then we give the invitation in the public schools. The government had us there, and this is our first school. And the DJ is getting them all hyped up. We're doing some games. Then all of a sudden, um, Christina, my friend, she starts sharing her story. And then this teacher just starts going off. Like, you could hear her so loud screaming, and she's talking to the DJ, stop them. And then I'm like, you know, we have our translator, and I'm like, "Um, Jazzer, what's going on? she's like, she's trying to shut us down. I'm like, okay, cool. And then, uh, so basically, like, okay, cool, cool. And, And Christina's getting weirded out, like, she wants me to stop. And I'm like, give me that thing. And I'm like, hang on one minute, one minute, one minute. And I'm like, all right, Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship with you. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand. And all these people raised their hand. And we're like, all right, praise Jesus. I'm not even tripped out that this person is going to come against me because that's what I expect. You have to expect opposition when you're going to share the gospel. All these kids came to Christ. You want to know the funny part? Her kids came up to receive Jesus. <laughs> It gets even better. A couple days later, we are uh, at, at another school. We're sharing the gospel. We have banners. We have micro. You know, we we kind of have a party, and we just love loving on these kids. Four days later, she comes up and she starts sharing with us how um, basically her kids received Christ on that day. And she was like tripped out that that we were able to do that or whatever God did that. And then she goes, and I got angrier and angrier that my kids came to know Jesus but then I started seeing them and what they started doing and the gospel was changing their lives it was changing their actions and so she drove past us on the main street she saw that we were set up she comes running back I knew, I recognize her I'm like oh boy we're going to have fun <laughs> in this one and she basically goes like hey I want to thank you will you pray for me you guys love my kids it changed my heart we pray for me? And we're like, yeah, let's pray. Like, are you kidding me? So in four days, that opposition turned into victory because she couldn't stop seeing the gospel lead to action, which led her to the cross. And that's what it'll always do. Don't, we do not fight against flesh and blood. You know, when I first uh, got saved 20 years ago, I used to run around with my helmet of salvation, right? I used to just put on my helmet of salvation and run around. That's called holy streaking. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Because if you believe hell is real, what the hell are you doing? People are dying, and we have the answer. Be bold. God loves you. He saves you. And you have to understand, you need the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Right? Helmet of salvation, sh- the sword, the shield, that God's given you, in a wardrobe a war drobe to go and preach the gospel and know that there's going to be, yeah. You, I always tell people, I'm like, you can't reject me. When I'm on mission, you can't reject me. You, you, I'm the messenger. You can't kill the message. They can take this body, but they can't do anything. Jesus is on the throne, all right? Amen. And we live in some crazy times. I'm, I'm telling you, it's getting hot, right? It's getting hot. But here's the thing. This isn't a surprise to Jesus. He is on the throne. But your comfortable Christianity, we're never called to be comfortable. I have yet to find the, the word comfortable in this book. And if he didn't say it, I don't want to talk about it. All right? Amen? All right, so here we go. Uh, the proconsul, an intelligent man sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to, they wanted to hear the word of God. That's a smart guy, right? He just saw what was going on in the, in the thing. He's, he's like, okay, they're worshiping the, the temple prostitutes. We got the Romans hate them, the Jews hate them. Let's hear them out. Let's see what he has to say. And then he said, it says, uh, but Alimus the sorcerer, for that's what his name was, uh, Oppose them and try to turn the proconsul from the faith. I uh, feel sorry for Alimus, honestly, because he was thinking about I'm going to lose my job if I do anything except turn the proconsul away. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my seat at the table. They're going to. Fa- He's going to follow Jesus. He's not going to listen to me anymore, and I'm going to lose my place. And in a way, you see that all of a sudden, then Saul, who is also called Paul. This is where Saul becomes Paul, but here's the deal. Saul was always Paul, and Paul was always Saul, because you would have had basically his given name, right? His Hebrew name was Saul after King Saul, right? And then you would have had his Roman name, basically Paul, which is funny, Saul meant the requested one, because Israel requested a king, right? And so you would have had Saul requested one, and then it turns into Paul, little one. Little guy. So you have him, and he's filled with the Spirit. He looks straight at Elimus and says, You are a child of the devil, the enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? And now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time and not even able to see the light of sun. All right, check this out. When I said that God will call you out and he's calling you out, it's to heal you and to send you back in. I believe Paul was filled with compassion. I don't see anger burning in him. I see compassion because just in chapter nine, Saul met Jesus. He was persecuting the church. He was stoning Stephen. He was going after it. And then what happened in nine? He was on the road to Damascus to destroy the church because he had to get rid of the people of the way. And then all of a sudden, a bright light struck him, and he was blinded. He's like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's like, who are you, Lord? And then God blinded him. And out of mercy for Elimus, he saw him. He goes, you're so physically blind. You don't see how much I love you. You don't see what God is doing. And so I'm going to blind you. So I'm going to read it with the compassion that I believe Paul had because he was called out and he knew that blindness led to repentance, led to him turning his whole life back to Jesus. You, child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you and you are going to be blind for a time. Not even able to see the, the light of the sun. Compassion is key to sharing the gospel, you guys. They will never, know, they will never care about what you care about until they know how much you care. I was such a derelict in high school. I was such, dude, I got almost expelled. I got kicked out. I, I, I'm dyslexic. I'm ADD. I just, it didn't work for me. And then I was just ashamed that I couldn't read out loud. I was ashamed of all this stuff. And so I just was going to go live out my dream. My dream turned into a nightmare because it was all about me. God healed me. And now he sends me back. Into the schools. Oh. Our kids are so confused right now. I don't blame them. Do what you want with whoever you want. As much as you want. See what happens. They're getting tattered. And when I go into the public schools, like I'm not supposed to say the gospel, but I just tell them my story. And the spirit of the living God is upon me and he draws them in, and kids are crying and confessing and just telling me all this stuff. My wife is like, how do you handle it? I'm like, the Spirit of the Lord, God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, to yeah. bind the captives, and to set them free. Amen. When you start reading this word and start believing this word, I always tell people, garbage in, garbage out, gospel in, gospel out, <laughs> it's that easy. You just believe what God said and you do it because we're not supposed to be hearers of the word, right? We're supposed to be doers, doers. Immediately a mist and darkness came over him and he was groping about seeking anyone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord, just amazed You know, the church is supposed to be a hospital for all of you guys that need it. But it's also supposed to be an armory where we load up, right? And me and my friends, we always, there's this old Salvation Army song and we just totally gravitate towards it. We love it. It says, uh, if you want to join God's army, get your gospel gun. Shoot it at the devil if you want to see him run. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I just love that. And the way that we load the gospel gun is getting into this word knowing this Word, loving this Word, becoming the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You become more and more real, the more real you get with this Word. That's why I'm like, bring this to church. Bring this to your workplace. Bring it all the time. I have it in my, and God will remind me of a verse, and I'm flipping through it, and I'm amazed at what He does. Amazed at the teaching of the Lord you guys, your story matters. In Revelation 12, 11, that was my favorite verse for the longest time when I first got saved, but it, it's like basically the devil accuses you day and night before God. And then it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by our testimonies that they, they did not love their lives, but to lose it. We often think that the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, you know, makes bad people good. No, it makes dead people alive because you were dead in your transgressions, right? And it's always amazing what happens when you start sharing the gospel of the Lord. Um, Tozer says, Christians should be the boldest people in the world, not cocky and sure of themselves, but sure of Him. Amen. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel will always lead you to Acts. And I just want to tell you guys, the reason why I'm a Christian today is because I had a neighbor who was a square. So if you're going like, oh, Tom, he's crazy. He just has this crazy testimony. This dude was a square. I lived next to him for two years, barely talked to him. It was up in Tahoe, but every snowstorm, that guy snowblowed my berm. He snowballed my berm, he earned my respect. I would hear the snowblower start at 4.30 in the morning and he would cut his berm and then he would cut mine. And when my life was falling apart and I was ready to end it all, he came over because the Holy Spirit led him and he shared the love of Christ, something I've never heard before. And I've never been the same. So I don't care what you're doing or what you're at. It's by the compassion and the grace and the mercy that God gives to you. You give to others freely, right? And so that's the gospel. Gospel leads you to acts. And I'm just going to present the gospel one more time before we pray and go. Um, God loves you. I don't, he doesn't care what you've done, what you're going through. He loves you. He made you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb, and he created you for a purpose. And when we get distracted and we settle, we don't walk in power and authority because we don't know our purpose. Church, you are called out to be the light into this community. You are the gospel, and when the gospel goes forth, it leads you to actions and people will come because they will be confused by your love they will be confused by your mercy they'll be confused by your grace jesus loves you and i i I, my brother tim always loves when i say this we all know god so loved the world but basically god left his place to come to our place to take our place to take us back to his place and everyone knows that god's place is way better than our place Amen? amen that's the gospel of jesus christ god so loved the world but the problem is we all got an invitation God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe shall not perish but have eternal life. That was the invitation. He sent it. You're so important. He sent his son. Most of us have an rsvp or some of us have an rsvp to the after party. Life is a party. It's fun for a second, and then it's over. But God came to give you life and give it abundantly, and that's called the after party. That's where my friends want to go. That's where we want to go, Amen. And the way you get on the list to the after party is you are SVP. You say yes to the invitation. You say yes to Jesus Christ. You say, dude, I don't get it, but I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And watch what he will do with the gifts and abilities he has given you. They were meant to build up the church. They were meant for his beautiful bride. You are worthy. You are loved. You are seen and you are heard. And there's nothing anyone can take away from you when you walk in righteousness. Amen? All right, so I'm going to pray. We're going to play. We're going to play another song, I believe. And uh, but I'm just going to give that invitation. If there's anyone that has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time, and the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is it convicts you. In fact, I was in Mexico and I was I gave a, a, a just a quick like school assembly, 15 minutes, story, gospel, and uh, invitation. And everyone's gone, everyone's leaving, there's one guy in the back, and he's sitting there just totally confused. And I know that look, and I was like, hey, what's up? And he goes, uh, I shouldn't be here. I'm like, what's up? And I'm in Mexico, I need a translator, but the translator's not there, but he's speaking perfect English. I'm like, what's up, what's up? He's like, yeah, I shouldn't be here. I'm like, what's up? He goes, you don't understand, I shouldn't be here. I woke up, I live an hour and a half away, but I... I, I, I came to visit my friend. I woke up this morning. I needed to see my friend. I drove here, and now I came to school because he had a meeting, and I don't even know what I'm doing here. And I heard you the music. I heard you set up. And uh, man, when you were given the invitation and you were telling about the Holy Spirit and how someone had a, a, a they're, they're all choked up, that was me. I couldn't talk. The Holy Spirit was convicting me and drawing me. I'm like, praise God. He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm in the cartel. I'm like, that's okay. Your sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. He's like, yeah, but I'm not just a low level. I'm up, I'm, I'm up with the bosses. I'm like, praise God. Now you can go share with them. He's like, they're going to kill me. <laughs> like, no. No. You're, the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength, and they're not going to know what to do with you. And so I got to pray with them. I got to give them a Bible. And... Uh, Basically, that's what the Holy Spirit does, it draws you. The Father is drawing you. And if that's you today, would you be bold enough to just say yes to that invitation? Would you raise your hand and say yes to the Holy Spirit drawing you? And I know that feels weird and awkward, like, don't call me out, don't call me out. God's calling you up. He believes in you more than you believe in Him. He loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. We're gonna play. We're gonna pray then afterwards, and we're gonna just. I'm gonna have you come up, and then I'm just gonna. I want to pray with you, because the devil hates you, and God loves you, and you need to surround yourself with like-minded believers that are gonna encourage you, gonna hold you accountable, and is gonna prod you on. That's the gospel
1: thing about this amazing living hope that we have.
6: So we want to be the light in the world. That's what our tagline is. That we want to be the light in the world. The way we do that is we pray for each other, just like the first church. We pray, we fast, we intercede, and we got to do that. And we're going to have our prayer group up here. And if you want to receive prayer, dude, I know it works. I know it works. I am an answer to prayer. And the funny thing is, yes, you want your prayers answered, but it is more important to be and answer to someone else's prayer. So we want to intercede for you. We want to pray for you. So we'll have a prayer team up here. You guys, we love you. Go in all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to obey, and watch what God will do. Amen? Amen. Amen.